With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 72 of Brewers on Tap. It is good to have you with us for our second Cactus League podcast so far of 2017. Of course, we're getting closer and closer to that opening day coming up on April 3rd at Miller Park against the Colorado Rockies. I'm Lane Grindle. It's great to have you with us. Some news and notes from around spring training so far. The Cactus League season is into its second week, and the crew's off to a 5-5 five and five start. We've seen strong springs from the names of Keon Broxton, hitting 400, two home runs, a double, a triple, and he's driven in six. Hernan Perez, before he left to work out with Team Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic, 316, two home runs, a double. Domingo Santana's been great, 316, two home runs, and five driven in, and Scooter Jeanette, Playing all over the field right now. Left field, third base, kind of moving around a little bit. Five for nine with two doubles and two driven in. And we're going to see Ryan Braun start getting into the action. Probably within a week or so, we'll see him start getting some swings in as well. And additionally, younger prospects like Brett Phillips, Ryan Cordell, Lucas Ersig, and Lewis Brenson have all shown very good promise for the future of the crew. And the WBC, as we mentioned with Hernan Perez, it's already underway, and the Brewers once again have the following on the rosters. Uh, right-handed pitcher Iran Burgos with Puerto Rico. Cody Decker's already uh, seen Israel uh, with a couple of games in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, he's a converted catcher now, uh, and on the minor league side for the Brewers. Right-handed pitcher Jorge Lopez uh, will be pitching for Puerto Rico. Uh, Willie Peralta is going to be with the Dominican Republic, as will Jonathan Villar. We told you about Aaron Perez. He's with Venezuela. And Carlos Subero is going to be coaching with Venezuela as well, the Brewers' first base coach. Carlos Torres with Mexico. And then Wei Chung Wong is going to be representing Chinese Taipei. Here's what we have coming up for you on the podcast today. We're going to talk to General Manager David Stearns. We're going to talk with right-handed pitcher Brandon Woodruff and right-handed pitcher Luis Ortiz, a couple of minor leaguers with big-time potential, two of the top pitching arms in the Brewers farm system, going to be joining us here on Brewers on Tap for this episode. And as I told you, I got a chance to sit down with the GM last week and talk about how this roster is starting to come together as we get closer and closer to opening day. Let's break it down. So far, it's been a relatively smooth camp. A lot of competition, 58 guys in the clubhouse, which makes it a lot of fun early on. It is. It's been a good first couple weeks down here in Maryvale. We've uh, gotten through the first uh, set of workouts, first set of games injury-free, which is really what we're looking for this time of year. We want to give our guys 
the chance to really get themselves into game shape, uh, get themselves ready to, to compete when the bell rings on opening day, and we're off to a good start. We do have a lot of competition in camp this year. That was an emphasis of ours throughout the offseason coming into camp, and we think so far guys are taking that competition seriously and working hard to get better. Probably two big spots where a lot of competition is taking place. One's the bullpen, obviously, uh, and there's a lot of time left to sort some of that out, but also at catcher, and I think a lot of people yep. have a lot of uh, their eyes peeled on what's going to happen at the catcher spot. Three guys, all with the uh, experience, all with major league experience, and Andrew Susak, Jet Bandy, and of course Manny Pena. Pena might have the most experience handling these pitchers. Susak got uh, a month to handle them in September as well, and then you get Jet Bandy from the Angels. What are you guys going to be looking for as that competition plays out over the course of the spring? It's really the totality of production that we think those three players can provide our team throughout the course of the year. We expect all three of those guys to see meaningful time at the major league level. It's, it's very rare. Uh, that you can get through an entire season with just two catchers participating in your entirety of your of your schedule. So we certainly think all three of those guys will will impact our team throughout this year. How it breaks down on opening day, which two we ultimately bring to Milwaukee with us, uh, will take some time to sort out. We, we think we know who these guys are. We think all three of them have the ability to be major league catchers, and we'll let the competition play out on both sides of the ball this spring. How do you balance the competition in the spring versus the totality of their work and what you've seen prior? Because obviously, I would think you probably still wait what they've done in regular season games and such more than what you see in the spring, even though that's maybe the more recent sample that you have. We have to. We have to be cognizant of, of what these guys have done throughout the entirety of their careers. Uh, we have track records with, with all three of these yeah. players and really for the vast majority of players who are in camp now. We understand what they've done in the past throughout their minor league and major league careers. And so that's a big part of the equation. And then in spring, we're looking at, are these guys making any adjustments? Are they working on, on anything? Are there, are there parts to their game that we could see improving or regressing as we head into the season? And that helps inform our final decision. From a bullpen standpoint, you sign Neftali Feliz in the offseason. Clearly, he's a proven guy when healthy. He's one of the more dynamic arms at the back end of any bullpen. And, and you have some proven guys that really were able to step up and take advantage of opportunities with you last year. Jacob Barnes, Carlos Torres, Corey Knable. Um, you hope to get Michael Blazik kind of back on track, obviously. Jan Mariñez gave you some valuable innings last year. So you have some guys, kind of a core there that I think you probably feel comfortable with two or three spots and how much will the starting rotation impact how those final two or three spots end up it, in the bullpen? It's a big puzzle that we're all trying to fit together. So certainly how the rotation uh, ends up and, and which guys are on the outside looking on the rotation, whether they're viable pieces in the bullpen, whether uh, they're better suited going to, to AAA, um, that will help inform the overall construction of, of how we put the pen together. But we do feel as though we have that solid core group. Neftali Feliz, we brought in the offseason to help anchor that group. You mentioned a number of the other players who contributed to that group uh, throughout the season last year. And what's encouraging to us is even after uh, we traded away guys like Jeremy Jefferson, Will Smith, during the middle part of the year last year, we still had one of the strongest bullpens in the National League for the last two months. And that's really a testament to the work that Derek Johnson, Lee Tunnel did getting that group together and the guys themselves for going out there and performing. Well, and you have a couple non-roster guys here, Java Chamberlain being one, Ryan Webb being another that have gotten major league hitters out in their careers. They've pitched in some high leverage situations before in their careers. And I know last year with Chris Capuano and Blaine Boyer, it was a similar thing where you looked more at their last 50 innings or so maybe at the major league level 
and, and you took that into account as much as you did what they did in the spring. Is it going to be a similar situation for those two if they want to try to break with the club? It is similar, and that's a, a, a good uh, comparison between what we had last year and, and bringing veteran non-roster invites into camp like we have this year with, with Jabba and Ryan Webb. Uh, two guys who went healthy um, have proven in the past that they can get major league hitters out. They provide some veteran stability. Uh, and we'll see how it, how it shakes out. Last year, um, both Chris and, and Blaine proved to be important parts of our, our bullpen, um, uh, especially throughout the first couple months of the season. And uh, if, if Jabba and Ryan prove to us that they can do the same, they'll certainly be in contention for this team. One of the more interesting and exciting parts of spring training is getting your eyes on some of the younger players, some of the prospects that are on their way up that get this opportunity, especially early in spring training, to get some innings with the big league club. Brinson and Cordell, both yep. with the bat, have been very impressive so far. They've been as advertised so far. Two guys with plus bat speed, plus raw power, very athletic players, could play any sport they wanted to and chose to play baseball, and we're fortunate for that. Uh, so those guys have been what we had hoped they would be, and, and now it's time for them to just continue their development. They both have parts of their game that they can continue to improve. Uh, they know that. They're both very hard workers, and so it's fun to see them take those incremental steps forward. And, of course, you know, in the case of Brinson, there's going to be a lot of fans that are clamoring to see him up at the big league club, but you have a Keon Broxton that finished the year strong last year until the wrist fracture. And then, of course, um, in, in the case of um, Ryan Cordell as well, you have, I mean, you just have depth in that outfield. Domingo Santana's healthy again. So, if, if a guy like Lewis Brinson was going to be up at the big league club at some point this year, you, you want him to get at bats. So probably at least to start, obviously it's early. We don't know what's going to happen with injuries and stuff. You'd like to see him maybe get another 100, 200 at bats at the AAA level? Yeah, we, we expect Lewis um, and Ryan to begin the year in the minor yeah. leagues. Uh, neither has spent significant time at AAA. Right. We think that's an important start stop uh, on the development path for, for position players especially. Um, and so we're looking forward to them ironing out those last phases of their development before they get to Milwaukee. But uh, they're both major league prospects. Um, and the more of those we can accumulate, the better we'll be in the long term. We expect those guys to make an impact in Milwaukee. We don't know exactly when that's going right. to be, um, but we want it to be when they're ready to do so. What have you seen um, from your two corner positions in the infield? Travis Shaw is new, comes over from the Red Sox and seems to look pretty comfortable at third base. And then Eric Thames playing first base, getting himself kind of acclimated again to major league pitching. Right. How have you seen those transitions so far? So far, it's, it's been very smooth. I think those both of those guys look very comfortable at the corners. Uh, Travis is, is a bigger guy than you normally see at third base, but he covers ground well. He positions himself very well. He moves laterally very well for a big guy. He has plenty of arm to make the throw from third. Um, and he cares about that position. He works very hard at that position. And Eric, um, for a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience at first, understands, understands the nuances of that position very well. There's a lot that goes in to being a major league first baseman besides just catching the ball when it comes at you. Right. There are pickoff throws, there's holding runners on, there are bunt plays, um, there are cutoffs. Uh, he's really got all of that down. So now it's just continuing the reps, continuing the time he spends over there, and we think he's going to be a quality defensive player. And getting comfortable with the footwork is a big part, obviously, exactly. at every position, but certainly uh, playing at first base. The starting rotation, another place where there's competition. Maybe it gets overlooked a little bit because we talk about guys making the club. Yep. Most of these guys will probably make the club in some capacity, but what role they'll have is still to be determined. You have Junior Gary, you have Zach Davies, you feel comfortable with them. Jimmy Nelson and Willie Peralta, young pitchers that you still are very invested in. Um, so fourth, fifth spot's going to be very interesting. How have you seen that shake out and 
And of course, we aren't even one full yeah. time through with these guys getting one inning yet. So there's a lot to be determined there. But what will you be looking at specifically as you and Craig try to determine what this rotation will look like? It's still early, and, and we're going to give these guys plenty of time to yeah. ramp up and, and get their feet under them before we really start making any sort of evaluations heading into the season. You know, ultimately, we want guys who are going to get outs, and we want guys who we can trust giving the ball to every five days. It's such an important role on, on any team, but particularly this team, that starting rotation, to help stabilize us. I think we saw towards the conclusion of last year when that rotation really stabilized, we're a very good team. Um, we had one of the best starting rotations in the National League over the last month and a half of the season, uh, and if we can continue that going forward, we're going to have a good team this year. So it's an important, uh, it's an important group for us, um, and we're going to let them play it out. It's another position where we know we're going to need more than five. Um, we're going to need nine, 10, 11. And so all these guys who are in competition right now are likely to make starts for us over the course of the year. Uh, everyone wants to be in that rotation on opening day, and, and that does yield the type of competitiveness that we're going to see this spring. And in conclusion, nine players uh, that'll be a part of the World Baseball Classic, along with the coach in Carlos Subero, who will be with Venezuela. Uh, it, obviously exciting to see these guys go off, but it makes handling spring training a little bit more challenging too, working around some of those schedules. It does, and Craig and his staff have done a really nice job of making sure that the guys headed to the WBC are well prepared to, to take on the type of playing time they're likely to see there, both from a pitching standpoint and a position player standpoint. And when they're gone, it challenges us to fill their, fill their playing time with other guys. Some of them are in Major League Camp. We'll see some of our prospects come over from minor league camp to play in some major league games. So it's a good opportunity for a lot of people. Um, we have plenty of time in spring to get everyone ready. So uh, it, it'll be fun to watch those guys on TV, and we wish them well. David, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank Enjoy you very much. Appreciate it. It's going to be some tough decisions for David Stearns and Matt Arnold and Craig Council as they start to look at that bullpen. The starting rotation is going to have such a big impact on the way this team looks from a 25-man roster standpoint going into opening day. Well, it's time to go down on the farm. Checking in on the farm. The Brewers minor leaguers took down the LG Twins from the Korean Baseball Organization on Monday 9-4. Troy Stokes collected three hits, two home runs, a double for him as well. Demi Oromoloy, he also homered, as did Gabriel Noriega. Pitching on the Major League side on Wednesday against the Dodgers is right-handed pitcher Brandon Woodruff. And I caught up with the Brewers Minor League Pitcher of the Year late last week to talk about his attempts to follow up his breakout season. Yeah, for sure. You know, after that first full season, you kind of get a feel of what, you know, professional baseball is like. And, you know, I think... Going back to Brevard, that was a very good thing that happened for me. You know, I, I know what I needed to take control of, and that was throwing strikes and getting ahead and count. And, you know, I think uh, there that those first couple of weeks, I really, really took off, and I was doing what I needed to and uh, and just and just getting ahead of guys. And, you know, it just kind of took off from there and, you know, got a little momentum going into, into Biloxi. From a pitch selection standpoint, you know, what was working for you most of the year last year, and, and, and where do you think the biggest difference was that allowed you to take this jump? Yeah, you know, uh, definitely the fastball command, uh, just getting ahead, 0-1, and if you can do that, you know, a lot of good things can happen, and I think uh, I improved a lot on my slider, being able to throw it back foot to lefties, you know, back door to, to lefties and stuff like that, and just, just being able to, to locate it better. And I think, uh, you know, but it all starts with that, that fastball and uh, getting ahead with that and, and locating it and that's what really kind of took off. The move to Biloxi m 
going back to Mississippi had to be a comfortable thing for you. So that probably helped a little bit. And after a couple of starts and you were able to settle in and, and adjust, what were the biggest adjustments you had to make once you went to triple double? Yeah, uh, you know, once I got to Biloxi, first few starts were, you know, not how I wanted them to be, but, um, you know, I kind of sat down with uh, Chris Hook, our, our pitching coach, and kind of talked about my delivery a little bit just to kind of speed it up, be more athletic. And uh, I think once I did that and uh, let the hitters know, hey, I'm coming, you know, right after you now. And I, I realized, hey, man, it's, a, it's the same game. You know, if you can get strike one, strike two, and, and get ahead in the count, then, you know, I know my stuff can play. And uh, that was the biggest thing, just just knowing it's the same game and, you know, my stuff is, is good enough to, to beat guys. And, and, you know, I just came right after guys, and I think that's when it really, really took off. Obviously, you dealt with the adversity of, of losing your brother last year, and you've, you've answered a bunch of questions about this. And so apologize that we'll ask you one more time. But you know, how, how did you get through that in the middle of a season? And, and, and when you came back and you made those starts afterwards, they were so inspiring. How, 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 what got you through that? You know, it's just uh, first I, I credit the organization. They, they, they were very uh, – very grateful to me you know uh, I, I got to take the time I needed to go home and be with my family and uh, but I, I think the biggest thing for me was you know getting back with the team and, and getting in that routine you know to make everything seem like it was it was back to normal and you know I, I just needed to get back with the guys and you know of course there was there were some tough days um, especially the days I threw but you know, I think by just getting back with the organization and getting back with the team, it, you know, it really helped out a lot. And I, you know, I just realized, you know, this 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 game's not going to last forever. And uh, just take it pitch by pitch, you know, day by day. And I think, you know, I just kind of put everything into perspective a little bit. You said, especially on days you threw, is that because you're you're so locked in and you're so deep in thought, kind of getting yourself prepared for yeah, a start you know, that you're thinking about things like that? Yeah, you know, uh, especially on the days I throw, you're, there, there's always a text message before the game and. And after, and uh, you know, that's that's one of the biggest things. You know, I think I was missing is just that support. And uh, but you know, I, I have an unbelievable family, and you know, the support system here with the Brewers, and uh, it, it made things a little bit easier. Brandon, you're knocking on the door now. Um, who knows where you're even going to start this year? It could be Double A. It could be Triple A with the the growth that you showed at the end of the season in Double A last year. So how you know how are you approaching 2017? Are you, are you hoping that you get yourself in a position where by the end of the year you're even maybe thinking about Milwaukee or, or, or how do you handle that? You know, uh, coming in this year, I just, wherever they, the organization wants to put me, uh, you know, I'm going to go there and, and just keep the same mindset I had last year and just, you know, uh, just be more consistent. You know, I have some goals set and, you know, obviously getting to Milwaukee is one of those. And, uh, but I think if I can just improve and be a little more consistent on every aspect of my game, you know, I think everything else, you know, will take care of itself. So. What does it do for your confidence when you look at it? most of the publications, most of the services out there have the Brewers as a top five farm system in baseball, and here you are the pitcher of the year last year in the organization. What does that do for your confidence, realizing, look, you know, one, I'm part of a pretty elite special group of prospects, and two, I was the pitcher of the year. I mean, that, that has to give you a bounce in your step as you get prepared for yeah, this year. Yeah, for sure. You know, it just it just it lets you know to yourself that, hey, you know, I can I can do this. You know, I can pitch at the highest level. And and just being in an organization where there are so many great prospects, it just, it, you know, I think it it ups your level of play. You know, you, you, you get better from learning from these guys. And uh, I think it's just great for the organization that we got so many, so many good players. And I, um, I think it, you know, just makes you a better player. Brandon, we appreciate it. Yep, appreciate it.
Woodruff's teammate last season in Double A was young Luis Ortiz, one of the younger players in Double A at the age of 20 last year. Ortiz, now 21, has one of the highest ceilings in the entire Brewers organization. And six starts after joining the organization last year, as being a part of that return package in the Jonathan Lucroy and Jeremy Jeffress trade with Texas, Ortiz had a 1.93 ERA. I caught up with him on Monday. Always probably tough to change organizations, but uh, at the same time, you come to an organization where you have somebody you're very familiar with, and Matt Garza. Did that make it easier? Yeah, it made it a lot easier knowing him, knowing Matt for already about five years, and being with Matt, you know, came a lot easier, you know, coming to organization. Did you reach out to him right away, and were you able to exchange notes and was he kind of able to tell you what to expect here? Uh, yeah, we were we were talking, you know, during trade deadline and. We talked about everything, and the only thing, he, the great advice he gave me is just come over and do your thing. It's a, it's a new opportunity. 20 years old last year, in Biloxi, Double A, Southern League. That's really advanced at that age. Was it challenging at times? You pitched extremely well. Your numbers were phenomenal. Yeah, it was. Uh, of course, you know it's baseball. It's going to be challenging. You're going to have the bumps in the road. Uh, you know, did well in high the early that year, and got to Frisco, Texas, and had a tough rough start and started getting the rust off again and got to Biloxi and I saw a new opportunity and I just changed my mentality of the Bulldog and let's get after it. It's not really um, uncommon that when you make a move high double A, there's an adjustment period. What were the things you had to learn and had to kind of experience to then finally turn that corner and take off like you did to end the year? Uh, you know, double A is a uh, the guys up there are very patient. Hitters are, they'll take a pitch and look for one pitch only, you know. Once they get that pitch, they're, they're swinging. Basically, you know, up there you just got to pitch side to side, up and down. Throw everything for strikes, command every pitch. That's what I noticed, you know, double A is what they say is the new triple A. So, you know, there's a lot of top prospects there, a lot of good players. It's very tough there, but same day, it's baseball. That was a pretty... By the end of the year last year, that was a pretty good rotation in Biloxi. You had Brandon Woodruff doing his thing. Jorge Lopez was kind of getting himself back and right and pitching better towards the end of the year. Um, was it fun to be on a rotation that had so many guys that were throwing it so well at that point? Oh, yeah, it was It was great. You know, I saw all the success that they were having, and especially, you know, they were older than me. You have college guys that, you know, 23 years old, guys there that I actually looked up to and oh they're doing something different I'm gonna try to make an adjustment and you know get on their path and you know that one month in Biloxi was a success for me you know I balled out I did what I could. Chris Hook a, a good mentor as well from oh, yeah. a coach standpoint. Yes love care love hooky. We just talked about how you're familiar with Matt Garza what have you learned from him in terms of not just being on the mound in between the years and how to attack a hitter, but just in terms of being a pro and going about your business every day? Uh, being with Garza and learning from him is basically the what's off the field, you know. We can always handle what's on the field between the lines. It's ma mainly off the field, you know, activities and all that. It's just with him, he's been in the game for 12 years already. He's a veteran. He's been through it, you know, even though he was in the minor league so, for so long. He's been through it. He has six kids. He knows uh, how to be a dad. And basically, I'm like one of his other childs or little brothers. You know, he tells me if I'm doing something wrong, he'll let me know. Uh, mainly, it's off the field issues. And, you know, he's been through it. So 
and you you're from the same area so I mean is that how you got to know him how, how did you guys become familiar I got to know Matt is uh, my godfather and one of my coaches Marcus McGowan uh, reached out to Matt and Matt gave me a call my senior, my uh, junior year summer going into my senior year is like, hey, we're gonna start workouts the off season for him I'm, I'm starting school he's like hey we work out at five in the morning if you come this is one shot opportunity I call you I'm not gonna call again he called me and I said okay I'll be there showed up and man workouts were so tough and I didn't show up for two weeks after that because I was so sore it was it was great experience but I've been with him ever since Luis, uh, we talked earlier about how young you were to be at that level last year, to be at the AA level at the age of 20. That's very advanced. Is it hard to not get ahead of yourself then and to still stay patient, even though you've, you've made some quick jumps up through the system early on in your career? Yeah, uh, I got impatient. You know, 20 years old and AA, you know, everyone's wondering, like, I'm the, I was the youngest one on the team. and basically trying to show up this little kid you know I didn't see that with Biloxi it was more Texas and you know it's all it's all about competing competing you know it's baseball you know but being there you know I thought of it as another level instead of baseball and you know that's what Matt told me I was talking with Matt he's like just think of it as baseball man so I thought as it double a is going to be tougher and I got to go out and do different stuff and that's what that's why I struggled early on in double a and figure it out and it's all about the bumps and roads man up and down roller coasters Ortiz comes across as a very humble guy and I got a chance to see him pitch on Monday against the LG twins and even though he got roughed up a little bit in the fourth inning he came back and pitched a one two three fifth inning Ortiz has a very live fastball very hard slider chance to be a very good pitcher down the road for the crew Here's what's on tap. Well, here's what we have coming up for you. If you are excited for the return of baseball, and I bet you are if you're listening to our podcast, you don't want to really wait around until April 3rd to see the Brewers in action at Miller Park. Well, good news. We've got a couple of exhibition games coming your way. Friday, March 31st, Saturday, April 1st, you can watch the Brewers and the White Sox in their final tune-up games of the spring. And you get an early look at the Brewers' brand new food and beverage program at Miller Park. So fans who attend either game will receive a $10 food and beverage voucher. Good for that day's game. And since tickets are just $10, seems likely you're really coming out ahead here. I mean, you're really doing better. I mean, how, how good is that? So tickets for both exhibition games are available at the Brewers' ticket office by calling 414-902-4000 or online at brewers.com slash tickets and of course I want to tell you about group tickets on sale as well spring training as we have told you about uh, throughout the entire podcast it's in full swing and uh, while we're preparing down here you can be starting your plan for your annual group outing at Miller Park group tickets are on sale as low as five dollars per ticket whether you're planning a company outing birthday party family reunion or anything in between Miller Park is the perfect spot for your next group event you can plan a custom tailgate reserve block seats you can go big and rent out an all-inclusive area or party suite. So group ticket prices locked in at discounted prices right now. But that price will only last through the end of March. So you're going to need to make sure you place your reservation soon before those prices go up. So check out the complete 2017 schedule and start planning your group outing at Miller Park. Call 414-902-4777 or visit brewers.com slash groups. 
Okay, that's going to do it for us for this week's edition of Brewers on Tap, episode number 72 in the books. I want to say thank you to David Stearns, Brandon Woodruff, and Luis Ortiz for joining us here on the podcast this week. Plenty more coming your way next week, so join us same place, same time, right here on Brewers on Tap. Brewers.